So did you hear that my hamburger streak continued? Are you still doing that? No. Uh, oh. it, How many days did you make? I it? made it to double <laughs> double digits. <laughs> did you eat ten days? I'm not proud. Any, I'm not proud of it anymore. But yeah, I had hamburgers ten days in a row. I like that when we were in in Indy. And you got that steak sandwich. You were like, it's meat on a bun. That counts as a hamburger. <laughs> Listen, it was actually a prime rib sandwich. That was pretty solid. I was I was immediately regretful when I ordered the salmon. Because then they brought out everybody's plates. And they're like, you get a ribeye. You get a ribeye. And who had the dainty piece of fish? Uh, by the way, that just referencing that you ordered the salmon made you sound really pretentious. <laughs> when they brought out my salmon. <laughs> I said I regretted it. <laughs> I'm ashamed of it. Oh, gosh. Good times. Mm. There was some. There was a sprig of something on top of it. It had a <laughs> it had a lemon slice and a sprig of Just a little sprig like thyme. Was that what that would be? A sprig of thyme. That sounds like a song lyric. <laughs> a sprig of thyme. Yeah, just a sprig of thyme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Scott Stapp is the one using that <laughs> lyric. With arms wide open. That's a good song. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Jared Hollier. He is Rusty Mont. Indeed. Yes, you are. This is one hour a week, a 30-minute ministry podcast. I think we're on episode six. I started to say it in Spanish, but I blanked on what the word was. Seis? Seis? I don't know what episode is in Spanish. We could Google it real quick. We're not going to make that happen. Pass. Too much work. Uh, Speaking of translations. Oh, not yet. Slow down. Sorry. Uh, We've been home now for a week after our road trip to Indiana. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's episode, the road trip uh, remix. (laughs) Uh, You might have just, is is it wrong to say that we're overselling our own podcast? No, Uh, no, go back. But calling it the road trip remix. Remix. It's a little intense. Go back and listen to episode five. We talked about relationships and friendships in ministry. We talked to our friend Jimmy Neal about partnering with other churches. So go check it out if you didn't get a chance to do that. It was a good episode on the road. It was. I'm glad to be home, though. Yes, no doubt. Eight days. That's a kind of trip you do maybe once every two or three years. Every couple of years. Yeah. It'll hold you over for a while. But speaking of, oh, go ahead. I stepped on you. No, go. No, you go ahead. Was it? I I didn't mean to. The joke I used with everybody is that I felt like George Bailey on It's a Wonderful Life, even the worst part of my life. Like I was running up to the dumpster at church saying, I love you, dumpster. It is so good to see you. I miss throwing trash in you so much. It's just good to be home when you've been gone that long. Concur. Agree. Uh, Hey, speaking of segues, here's one. Today we're going to talk about uh, Bible translations. We're going to get a little nerdy. We're going to talk about why are there so many different English translations of the Bible, which ones we prefer. We're going to give kind of a crash course on Bible translation philosophy. It won't be as bad as it sounds, I promise. We're not taking you to seminary here, but we're just going to talk a little bit about what we know, which is... Very little. So minimal. Very little. We're going to scratch the surface of Bible translations. We're going to give you so little information that you're not going to feel informed at all. This 30-minute ministry podcast might run seven and a half minutes. That's right. And we'll be out of content. So we're talking about this because at the conference we went to last week, they gave everyone in attendance a, a new Bible, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. I love me a new Bible, man. Which it, you are a Bible nerd. Yeah. Honestly, how many, and I'm not just talking about giveaway Bibles or Gideon's Bibles, how many nice Bibles do you think you have? I should have counted before I came, but... Let me just say this. I, four or five years ago, I kind of started collecting. I would save up money and buy n- nice quality Bibles. And what I mean by that is, 
you know, in this, again, I'm embarrassed by my nerdiness, but the quality of the leather, what it's bound with, uh, the quality of the binding itself, what type of paper is used, how thick the paper is, and uh, started just kind of buying some of those and then uh, where the text is laid out in different ways. So all in all, I have well over probably 10 that Bibles that are Bibles that should last anybody a lifetime. So I'm I'm excited about them. I use them a lot. I use them in different contexts and different settings, and they're fun to talk about when people who are as nerdy as me come to my office. We look <laughs> right. at them, and I can talk about them. And I'm looking forward to being able to pass those down through multiple generations of my family. You've in the got future. some. You've got some that are goat skin. I've got some goat skin. Calf skin. I've got some calf skin. Some top grain leather. Uh, mainly goat skin. I'm a goat skin guy. So if you got a goat around, they want to <laughs> go tan, out there and want to tan it for me so hey, I can make a Bible. Two birds, great. one stone. Offer a sacrifice. Old That's Testament right. Style. Scapegoat. Make a Bible there out you of go. it. Uh, we'll come back to those in a little bit because I do want to talk more about the layout, the print. Uh, you know, there's a lot of journaling Bibles and even you know, coloring Bibles. I've got some. I've got some. Some. Uh, you don't have a coloring book. HSO's Bible. hot scripture opinions on <laughs> we got some Bible. Hot, hot yeah. takes coming at you. Got today. some real hot takes coming on journaling Bibles. So Let's we're going to lose some listeners this week. Can I just throw that out there? Like when we're talking about translations and Bibles, it's a very personal thing. But I'm sorry to get all personal on you. Some of you guys, like, okay, we just need to quit with some of it. Well, you made a, I think on this podcast a few weeks ago, you said something about the coloring Bible. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want somebody drawing a bunch of tulips in the middle of my Psalms. Forgive the grass me. withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So it makes perfect sense to <laughs> to draw a full color picture of a flower on top of the scripture where you can't hardly read the scripture but when you turn to that page you'll see your beautiful work of art the bible isn't about your beautiful works of art (laughs) you are get a coloring book and a sketch pad if you're into that sort of thing over there man all right sorry i've been sick for a few days that was i'm sorry and that was was the medicine talk very intense in elementary you could you would get sense of the principle for drawing in your books and now yeah yeah i'm gonna do that Handing out Crayolas. Going to start coloring in your textbooks at school. It's going to get awkward in biology. <laughs> before class. we get into before we get into the layouts and the prints and the different, let's talk a little bit about translation. If you if you've never read much about Bible translation, this is a common question: Why are there so many English Bibles? I mean, there's King James, New King James, NIV, ESV, NLT, CEB, CEV, HCSB, CSB, NLT, all the acronyms, NASB, bro. RSV. It goes for days, right? So. The reason there are so many English translations is because Bible translation is a spectrum. If you think in your head from left to right, let's start all the way on the left side of the spectrum. And this is what they call word for word or formal equivalence. I did a little research. My bad. I came in prepared. Um, These translations are where the translators take the original languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and they as closely as they can stick to the word for word translations. No interpretation. They try to keep their opinions to a minimum, and they just word-for-word word translate from the original language to English. Do you have any of those yes. sitting around? Yeah, common versions of that would be your New American Standard, which uh, most Southern Baptist and Baptist life would say this is the most literal translation, they would call it. Uh, our Methodist friends and liturgical friends would probably argue that like the New Revised Standard Version is the most literal translation for them. Because even in your most literal translations, there are some uh, calls you have to make when translating that kind of 
tilt where you land theologically, but very minor, not real big issues there. But yeah, those definitely skew that way. And the the good thing about that is, like you said, it kind of removes the translator's opinion from the process. The bad thing about that is that it often ends up being a very wooden translation because if you have ever taken a foreign language, of course, if you were in Texas, you probably took Spanish when you were in school. I remember we had uh, some translations that we would work on, and if you did it literally, it wouldn't make sense. We had a song that we had to sing. Uh, it was a beautiful song, something like, <laughs> Yo quiero tanto, 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 and I was like, okay. And so I translated it. It says, I want you a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I remember like our Spanish teacher would be up there with tears in her eyes when that song's playing, and I'm like, this is creepy. <laughs> Obviously, something was lost in right. translation. Uh, it was talking about love, and it meant something far greater than "I want you a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot." So, it, it did. So, when we translate even the scriptures in that literal of a form, sometimes it provides a very wooden translation that actually doesn't get the meaning of the text across. Right. So that's the problem with the very literal or formal equivalent translation. And the argument for these kinds of translations is that any interpretation. Is also a tra- or any translation is also an interpretation. Yes, and interpretation is subjective, and so they try to stick word for word again to remove all that. For example, John three sixteen. When I growing up, when I memorized John three sixteen, it was King James version. I'm sure it was the same for you. Yes, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have Amen. everlasting life. Amen. Uh, here's the yeah. same verse out of the uh, Young's literal translation, and you'll hear a little bit of the difference. It says in, in this literal translation, For God did so love the world that his Son, the only begotten, he gave, that everyone who is believing in him may not perish, but may have life age during. So that's Young's literal translation, and you can see what we were talking about there. Yeah, so a Greek scholar who says, I'm going to give this as literal as I possibly can. So even your New American Standard and New Revised Standard, like they're going to take that and massage that out a little bit. But compare that to the other side of the spectrum. So let's talk about that. So you've got your formal equivalents, and then what do you have, Jerry? On the other end of the spectrum, so if you move from the left all the way to the right, that's where they, what they call thought-for-thought thought or dynamic equivalence. And on this end of the spectrum— the translators recognize that the wooden translations, the word-for-word, just doesn't work practically. It might work in an academic setting, but on this end, they're trying to get it in more uh, informal language. Sometimes they'll feel the freedom to use uh, modern language, modern idioms, just to clean up. And so they try to stay true to the thoughts and the original intention of the text, but they do it in a way that brings it into modern language. And so it's looser. It's It'll seem more familiar. This is where you get into... Basically, your NIV, the New well, Living Translation. NIV kind of splits the middle. Well, they, NLT is a good example. The The reality is most of the translations claim they split the middle. Right. But they skew one way or the other, if they're being honest. Right. Uh, and the if there is a spectrum, it's very hard to define because this is very subjective. True. Uh, you you know, I said you have your NASB on the other end and probably your dynamic equivalent or thought-for-thought translation on the extreme end would be something like the New Living Translation, which, by the way, is a, a translation of the Bible that I love. I love reading the New Living Translation. I read it most of the time 
for my personal devotional time. But you've got that kind of on that end of the spectrum. And then in between, you have a myriad of translations that kind of lean one way or the other. Uh, you've got a, the King James Version, which some would say leans toward word for word. You've got the ESV, which is probably one of the most popular translations today, especially among our generation. Yeah. And it they, they would say they lean more toward word for word, mm-hmm. yet they also have made a lot of decisions to try to make it modern. So it's kind of more in the center of that process somewhere. And again, the NIV is kind of in that space as well. So it's very subjective, but you've got kind of all clumped there and together in the middle, the English Standard Version, the NIV, and this new translation that I've been really excited about, the Christian Standard Bible, which is an updated version of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So all three of those translations seek to kind of find some middle ground between the literal word-for-word and the thought-for-thought process. And I I think really, if you're going to be a good translator, you do need to land somewhere there in the middle. If you go even further to the right, well, let me do this instead. If you go even further to the left, we didn't talk about interlinear Bibles. That's as word-for-word as you can get, because that's just original language, and then in between the original language is just a word-for-word translation. And so that gives the, the reader or the studier of the Bible the freedom to kind of make their own decisions about those things. If you go all the way past the thought-for-thought, thought, you know, past the NIV, and you start getting into paraphrases, that's where you find things like the, the New International Reader's Version, which is a paraphrase of the NIV, but it's on, I think it's a third or fourth grade reading level. And so the the English word pool is smaller. They take away some of the difficult words, and it's great for kids. We have some, even some adults in our congregations that might struggle to read. And so the NIRV, the reader's version, is a good paraphrase. Um, the extreme of that is the message. Do you have the message in your yeah. office? Yes. Or is it heresy? Multiple copies. No, I, I like Eugene Peterson. I'm a big Eugene Peterson I didn't fan, ask actually. about Eugene Peterson. I asked about the message. Well, Eugene Peterson, if, for those who don't know, is the translator of the message. And here's where kind of I think we've talked about this enough to know where we land on this. The message is a great resource, but the message, I don't believe, should be considered a translation primarily for one big reason. It's because it was one guy who did it. Most of these other translations that we've talked about, what we would consider the widely accepted modern translations, were put together by teams of scholars and researchers who did this as a group and most of them had people from various denominational backgrounds and scholars from a wide variety of of textual criticism so they all came together and were able to do this so the problem with something like the message if you take that and say this is a translation is that it was one guy's opinion Uh, so I I love the message it's an it's a neat resource to use and and to read to maybe get a different perspective on what the scripture might be saying but certainly I wouldn't say it falls under the line of translation here's John 316 out of the message this is how much God loved the world he gave his son his one and only son and this is why so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him anyone can have a whole and lasting life and so that's a small example, but you kind of get the idea of, and, and I mentioned this before we started recording, but if you have a copy of the message and you've never read Proverbs chapter 1, pause this and go do that immediately. It's killer. It is worth the time to go read Proverbs 1 out of the message. Go do it. So a lot of options covering the spectrum from word to word to thought for thought and even beyond that to the paraphrases. And I'll echo what Rusty said. If you have the message, 
I've got it in my office. I use it on my Bible app a lot too, but I always couple it with a, a true translation, either the NIV or the ESV, so that I can see exactly what he's uh, paraphrasing, what Peterson was paraphrasing when he did the message. Yeah. So of all of those, uh, first, two questions we'll answer here. Number one, which ones do you use most often? What do you preach from? And two, when somebody asks you, which version should I use? What do you tell them? So let's we'll, we'll take a few minutes on each of those. So first of all, which ones do you study from, preach from, read from personally most often? Well, I honestly try to read a variety of translations when I'm studying to preach. I try to read from several of the the modern translations because I think they all do offer some different variations of the translation that can help you have a better grasp of what the Scripture is saying. But predominantly, I have cut my teeth learning to preach and teach from the English Standard Version, and it has been a, to me, it's it's a good balance of the word-for-word, literal, true-to-the-original text, but also the, you know, trying to get the real meaning of that text across. So I've relied on it a lot and have used it quite a bit. Lately, I've actually been, even though it's a very new thing, I've been kind of enjoying the Christian Standard Bible. I was able to get a copy of it an advanced copy of it early, thanks to my boy Trevin Wax. Shout out. Shout out. Trevin, uh, I reached out to him on Twitter way back in the fall before they were sending free copies to everybody and said, hey, I've got a blog that reaches literally tens of people. <laughs> Would you be interested in sending me an advanced copy? And he said, ha ha, send me your email, send me your address. I did. A week later, I've got this beautiful goat skin Christian Standard Bible. So I've been reading through it, and I feel like they've done a, a good job of taking it uh, a little bit less word for word and a little more thought for thought, yet still being very true to the text. So it's almost like one step closer towards the dynamic equivalent without losing too much of the formal equivalent. So for me, it's been a, a really good resource. So right now, I'll just tell you what I've done recently. If I have been studying, I, I read and pray and think and uh, research the ESV and the CSB and decide which one I think is the better translation of that particular passage. And I've been kind of toggling back and forth which translation I preach out of the last few weeks. And the CSB, if you're familiar with the HCSB, which was the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the CSB is an update of the Holman. I think if I heard correctly that they dropped the H, the Holman, because there was some uh, Baptist associations with the word Holman. Holman was the, the printing branch of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, I believe I have all that right. And so I think they dropped the Holman because it's an update, but also for some, what's the word I'm looking for? You could say marketing. If yeah, you marketing want to. purposes yeah. to make it more widely accepted. I think they acceptable. definitely tried to make it a little more widely accepted, but they also, it, it is a major reworking. Right. It's not just like an edited form of it. It's not like they just dropped the H. Uh, Dr. David Allen from Southwestern Seminary uh, was part of heading up that team of researchers who put this thing together. So uh, scholars that I know and trust and appreciate were a part of the process, which is also a reason I could get behind it. But uh, it, it's it's definitely something worth checking out, and you can now go to Lifeway and pick up a, a pretty cheap copy of it if you'd just like to check it out and see what it's all about. But I, I've really enjoyed the Christian Standard Bible. I do most of my personal devotional reading out of the NIV and I have one Bible that I use for that, and it's it's all marked up with, I've got, you know, a color-coded system where I underline things and draw a lot of arrows and stuff. And so that one that I use devotionally is an NIV. And part of it is because I like the translation, but honestly, at this point, part of it is because I've been using that particular Bible for so long. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you get a, that baseball mitt broken in, 
you know, or, yeah. or you have a, a certain set of golf clubs and you just know how to swing that particular club. I've got that Bible, and so I can find books and references in it real quickly, and so it's it's become very personalized to me. For studying, I study mostly out of the NIV and the ESV. Uh, we were joking earlier about interlinear Bibles, but I do try. I'm not a language scholar by any means, but I have enough resources in my office and online that I feel fairly comfortable using some the, the interlinear. And so I use that a little bit each week, but most of my studying comes from the ESV, NIV, and then I preach from the NIV exclusively because I think it's widely accepted. You know, the ESV is popular among our generation, but we still have some folks in our church that don't recognize it when you read the ESV out loud. Our senior pastor who preaches most Sunday mornings, he still preaches King James. And his reason for that is when he came into the ministry, you know, 35, 40 years ago, Nobody had any problems with the King James. There was, when the NIV was released, there was some pushback on it. You know, you'll still even now see some bumper stickers that say, if it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. Um, so his reason for sticking with the King James is, one, you're never going to get any pushback from a congregation in our area on the King James. And two, he still appreciates the poetry of it. You know, there I think there is something to be said about the way the King James was translated and written. It's a really beautiful translation. Um, I just finished reading a book called The Faith of Christopher Hitchens, and it's sort of a, a short biography memoir about the atheist Christopher Hitchens. He was called one of the four horsemen of modern atheism. Uh, four horsemen? Horsemen. Horsemen. Of modern atheism. And even he, a staunch atheist, uh, he, he made his career writing and debating about atheism um, and promoting atheism. Even he said... The King James Bible is a beautiful work of literature, and he read a passage of the King James Bible at his dad's funeral. So if you use the King James and can understand it and appreciate it, that's fine. Go for it. I don't have anything against it. For me, I don't use the King James because I have a hard time tracking with it. I have a hard time understanding parts of it. Well, one of the reasons I used the ESV and started using the ESV is because they do kind of preserve that what could be called archaic language. Mm So the ESV is actually closer to the King James Version. It's not as radical of a departure as the NIV. So the ESV has kind of been a way that through the years, especially in rural churches, I've gotten away with using a modern translation mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's not that different from the King James Version Bible that's in their lap. I think an important thing for us to, to say at this point as we get towards the end of our discussion is to think about Uh, the importance of reading the Word of God and knowing that if you have one of the modern, widely accepted translations, that you do have a copy of God's Word. And while it's okay to ask questions and do research and wonder why was this translated that way, we don't need to doubt whether what we have is the good, true, and faithful Word of God before us. And uh, at the end of the day, a couple things that I always think we need to remember. Number one if you think your translation is the only right translation, you're wrong. That was a you're wrong. Noise. Yeah, and, and people will think we're hitting on the King James only crowd, and there is some of that. I've got some in my church, so I don't mean if you're listening to this, and some of you may, you know I love you, and I don't mean to offend you, but if you think the King James Version is the only translation, it's you're academically, theologically, and every Ali you can possibly be wrong and um, to be honest, it, it's you're almost intentionally choosing to believe something that's not true. So and we've said here that there could come a day where our generation is the same crowd with the ESV. 
we need to be mindful that we're not the ones who in 30 years are saying, well, if it ain't ESV, it ain't the Bible. Oh, well, well again, I've already received some pushback because I have been pretty pro-Christian Standard Bible yeah. on Facebook and Twitter and social media and the like. And I have received emails, tweets, phone calls from other pastors saying, well, why in the world? Right. And almost anti the CSB. And it's funny to me how, again, you know, very quickly, like you said, we've become ESV only or my translation only. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a very personal thing, and I'm thankful that people feel that way about the Word of God. But we need to uh, be humble. And the the version that we think is best for us, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the Bible translation that's best for the next guy. So if somebody comes to you and says, I'm looking to get a new Bible. I've always had this one. I'm looking to get a different one. Somebody comes to you and says, I'm, I'm going to get a new Bible. Which translation should I get? What do you tell them? Well, right now, what I tell them is the ESV. And if I started preaching more out of the Christian Standard Bible, I'll tell them the CSB. Because I do think there's something about having the translation that your pastor is using yeah. that, that just makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, depending on who they are, I've had people who are very faithful in our church who have been using the ESV. And when they come and say, hey, I'm going to get a new Bible to read, sometimes I'll tell them, get the New Living Translation if that's going to be your daily reading Bible, because it will open things up to you that you haven't seen. It'll be refreshing. You'll enjoy it. So it kind of depends on who it is. But just for the the random person that I'm getting a Bible right now, I think I'm going to get them a CSB, the new Christian Standard Bible, You're because it. because it is readable yet also faithful. So for someone who doesn't have a church background, who is new to the Bible, they'll be able to read along. Even if I'm using the ESV, it's going to be close enough that they'll be able to track with me. But also, if they're at their house on their couch reading it, it's very readable and understandable, even to, to those who don't have a church background. So while on the one hand, we do say, you know, there's 15 different translations out there. Just pick one you like and can read and go for it. It doesn't matter. We say that on the one hand. But on the other hand, it kind of does matter. It does. It, you should put some thought into it, because if you go to church with a new living in your lap, and on the screen they have the NIV, and from the pulpit, your pastor is reading from the King James. I mean, that's just a lot of variation happening in a very small time. And so it is worth considering. It's worth putting some thought and even a little bit of research into before you uh, plant your flag into this translation only. And I would even recommend, if you can afford it, you know, get get half a dozen different versions that you can, you know, ink and paper versions that you can turn the pages and look in and make notes in and, and do your own cross-references and, and uh, study for yourself. If you're a Bible app person, it's so easy to push the button and switch between translations. Uh, I know there's a lot of programs that will let you look side by side on the screen simultaneously at those different things. Uh, I think the Bible app that's most common, the version app, you can't look at different translations simultaneously, but you can switch back and forth pretty quick. But on a desktop, on a laptop computer, there are tons of resources where you can look side by side and see the differences in translations. And so do your own research, you know, use this episode as one resource, but the resources are innumerable. Get out there and, and look around and find. <laughs> Sorry, you just dropped the word innumerable. Did I? I did. I just, I'm impressed. Well, if you you went entrepreneurial a few weeks Numerous ago. Numerous, innumerable. I did. Like I want to, I'm Googling that later. Go right ahead, Google it now. I, I sounded care. real country. I'm Googling that. <laughs> I'm going to Google that word right there, innumerable. The I like point is, word. do your, you know, do some research, find the one you, that's what I would tell people. When somebody asks me which version should I get, I tell them get one that is, a good, faithful translation, but also one you can understand. I, I would not recommend 
a 20-year-old college student who's new to the faith to go get a brand new leather-bound heirloom King James Version. I would I would say don't do that because you're going to find it tough to read and tough to follow along. And on the other hand, if you are a 75-year-old who has not read the Bible in a while but grew up in church, I probably would not recommend going and getting a New Living Translation. Right, for the same reason. Because you're used to that biblical language out of the King James Version of what you grew up on. So, again, the best translation is one that you'll actually read. The one that you will read, yes. And that's a good point to kind of bring this to as we wrap up today. At the end of the day, can I just say pastors, church leaders, ministry leaders, lay people in the church— Stop arguing about which translation of the Bible to read and start reading your Bible. Amen and amen. Because if we were to read our Bibles and take what it says and let God speak into our lives daily, it would change us. And I'll just say this for me, every season of personal revival in my life stems back to a point where I realized I'm not reading the Bible. And that happens to me probably once every six months, even now in my life as a pastor, where I will catch myself just being spiritually weary and dry and burnt out. And then I'll have a moment where I'm like, I haven't been reading the Bible. And then I read it and it's like, wow, God is here. And we look for God in so many different places, like, you know, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. And then we forget that 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God breathed. Some translations say inspired. But the Greek word is like theonoustos, which is literally like God and breath smashed together. See, I said innumerable, and you were like, I can't let Jared have the most fancy word. I got to use the word theonoustos. Boom. Rusty one-up Mont. Well, listen, (sighs) uh, being the hashtag wordsmith that I am, (laughs) no. Uh, So, yeah, if you want to experience the breath of God in your life, if you need a fresh wind and a fresh fire, You don't need another conference. You don't need eight days on a van with a group of pastors. In fact, that might make you lose your faith. Mm -hmm. What you need is the Word of God. So I hope this, at the end of the day, other than informing you, we want to inspire you to actually read God's Word. Get in it. Get in the Word. Do some research. Find one that works for you, and then read it on a daily basis. It's corny, but it's true. There was a church sign recently I saw that said, The Bible is bread for daily life not cake, only for special occasions. But I like cake. (laughs) And if you get the message, it's like funfetti cake. (laughs) Shout out to Eugene Peterson. We will never get a goat skin copy of the message. No, we're not going to receive a free goat skin. Which, by the way, you got a goat skin heirloom kind of CSV Bible from Trevin Wax. And the ones that they handed out at the conference that we all got a copy of was like the it was Paper the gift bread. edition. It was. It was, it was the one. I got some extras, and I'm going to give them to the seniors for Senior Sunday There you go, this man. Year. There you go. It's you a get a Bible. Idea. You get a Bible. You get a Bible. Yeah. Trevin was up on the stage doing his Oprah bit. You all get a Bible. <laughs> you get a Bible. You get a Bible. And all those ESV-only people were like, <laughs> giving him the side eye. Heresy! So. <laughs> on that note, follow me on Twitter. I am at Jared Hollier. I'm at Bro Rusty Mott. And together we are at Hour A Week Pod. This is the Hour A Week Podcast. Shoot us an email, Hour A Week Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Search One Hour A Week Podcast. Or you can hit us up online, www.hourawekpodcast.com. Hey, well, and one more thing. This may seem very self promotional, but we're going to do it anyway. If you listen to this podcast or if you download it from a 
podcast app where you can leave a rating, would you please do us a small favor and give us some kind of rating and review? And be honest about it. If you want to give us one yeah. and a half stars, do it. We're not if, looking for yeah, five that's stars. Right. If you want to write like a long ram- rambling paragraph about how we're heretics for not supporting the King James Version, do it, man. Throw it out there. Be honest. But there's something about the algorithms, and it makes us easier to find for a, a larger audience. And so as humbly as we can, we ask that you would go and give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, or even on podcast.com. If you stream it, you can give us a rating there. And like I said, something about their algorithms and search engines makes us more findable when we have more ratings. So if you would do us that favor, we would sure appreciate it. We so appreciate everybody listening and having a part in the conversation. It has been a wonderful time so far. Just this past week, we surpassed 1,000 downloads as a podcast, which is Crazy, and I promise we're not going to do that like every 100 downloads. Wow, 1,100 downloads. But 1,000 seemed kind of monumental for us, so we wanted to celebrate that. And just appreciate all of you letting us talk to you and talking back to us via all the different outlets that we have for you to do that. So join the conversation. Hit us up. That's it. Drop the mic. I'm going to go read my Bible right now. You should.